City, City Limits. Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. Okay, City Limits, and it's the, uh, it's the third Wednesday of the month, and therefore we're going to be talking about housing today, and we've got uh, Shane McGrath from Housing with Age Action Group on, and we've got, have we then, Dee? We've got Fiona coming in, actually. Oh, Fiona today, yes. okay. Well, right, okay, Fiona coming on. And we've also got uh, Howard Morosi and, uh, and someone else, me, haven't we? Jack's uh, also joining us from Friends of Public Housing. Okay, so beauty. Yeah, we're going to have a and lot that was, of That was Meg, of course. I'm Kevin, mm. and uh, Karina's pressing the buttons yet again, and she's still got that big grin on her face. The Bulldogs are up to 5 nil now, and she's... Uh, <laughs> she's looking pretty smug, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Pretty but smug. A, yeah, a, scarf, a scarf, a beanie, and a, and a jacket, I think, is a bit much in, the, in those colours. But anyway, that's it. Maybe she's just supporting... Um, England. Maybe. Yeah. I heard she's going to be sewing some pants in bulldog colours. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's all go, isn't it? Yeah. Now, on that part of the world. We've got to pour some tea. Everyone want a cup of tea? What are we drinking today? We're drinking jasmine again. You said you liked it last oh, week. Oh, so. thanks, Kevin. It was, it was in the bag, that's all, so it, it oh, came again. Okay. But that, no, that's not all. That's because... Um, because. It's, just, yeah. it's only because. Oh, it's a lovely tea. There we Can't are. Beat it. And um, Karina's got a cup over there. Well, have you finished the last one? No, she's still going. When, when you're ready, when you're ready. Okay, that's it. We've done the tea bit. Um, yeah, well, I suppose Karina just mentioned to me that we should mention, I suppose, the, or everyone will be today, of course, the, the guilty verdicts in the, uh, mm. in the George Floyd case. Um, mm. It's uh, great news, really, isn't it? And well, the, uh, the alternative would have been pretty dreadful. Yeah, we've come a long way since LA. Uh, I mean, we, America has. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to see that the police are being held accountable. He'll spend a lot of time working out why he shouldn't have put his knee on a bloke's neck for over nine minutes and killed him. Mm. Um, A couple of things uh, worth raising, I think, this week. Uh, One, just let's start off with a Herald Sun one, just for the hell of it, um, as usual. Look, they had a a big headline yesterday on page three, the frontline toddler, child brackets, political pawn in forestry protest. And it's all about the fact that anti-logging protesters in East Gippsland Gippsland, Mm -hmm. have been slammed for placing a toddler in danger and using the child as a political pawn. And, of course, everyone will go on raving about the whole thing. And um, O'Connor, the um, secretary of the, the, that division of the union, Mark Michael O'Connor, came out and he attacked it again. He said, our members are quite distraught, particularly when people are using children. This is not the first time that someone has brought a young child into a working coop. And I don't understand how the people organising these protests allowed that to happen to involve children in is a dangerous possibly envir- uh, possible environment is biggest belief. He's not so concerned, though, about the trees that are coming down by yeah. his members. Yeah, <clears throat> um, pretty dangerous to, um, you know, just continue on with business as usual and have climate change catastrophically happen. So that's pretty bad for children as well. Exactly. And as yeah. usual in the last part, the counter to all that after the long story is a spokesman, spokesman for the 
protesting group which says it is is, uh, rallying to protect native forests and animals on Gippsland's Erinunda Plateau said all its actions were peaceful. On the day of the action, no work was being carried out by any contractors at the time of the mother and the child entering the coop, the Save Erinunda spokesman said. So uh, they weren't even working there anyway. Mm. So much of this outrage just depends on, um, you know... Just the assumption that people are going to take whatever is said in the Herald Sun as a fact, and it's pretty usually. It's definitely when you're talking about forests. A lot of people haven't been out there, and haven't seen what it's like, and haven't been to a protest out there. And yeah, if you go, you can see like most of the time nothing's happening. It's just it's just more state forest, which you're allowed to wander around in any time with children of any age. Supposed to be a state forest, but uh, apparently not. Yeah. 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 So that's. uh, that's that one. Um, of course, we're, we're bound to see in the Herald Sun, which is complaining about that one, up in the next week or two, we're going to see lots of photos of little kids with with slouch hats on and uh, wearing medals and things and saying how they want to go and honour their great-grandpa yeah. or someone yeah. on Anzac Day. So little kids are okay for that. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys realise, but war is quite dangerous. It can be deadly. Hey, can it? Mm-hmm. Well, even they're saying that now, actually. You were in Hasty last week and someone else came out this week and said it's lethal and that's why you're there. And now they're saying, oh. well, you know, they're sort of suggesting that maybe being trained to kill people and then coming home and not being able to kill people mm. is one of the reasons why they're killing themselves. Mm. Pretty awful. Um, Lots yeah. of trauma. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, an interesting little story um, I thought were worth looking at. Um, our old mate, Clive Palmer. Mm-hmm. Um, Clive's been running all these ads against ASIC, particularly the, the chairman who's going to resign. They've been appearing mainly Australian in the financial Sec- review. He spent about a million or more dollars on ads attacking ASIC. The Australian Securities and, and Investment Investments Corporation, Co- or whatever it's called. Commission? Commission yeah. Corporation, whatever. But it's the overseer. Of, uh, of, the now, share of the stock market? Well, of, of the business community of, generally. Right. And, and, and currently, uh, not that he's got a vested interest in attacking them, but mm. currently they're running a case against him over the nickel mine which went bung in Queensland where he owed workers millions. Yes. While he and his uh, cousin or whatever it was uh, seemed to still you know, be not going too badly financially. Mm. Uh, and also they're questioning... Uh, the relationship between the money from that and the, the and his political party that he ran and mm. was actually ran in that campaign and mm. the, the costs of all that. Yeah. So not that he's got any sort of vested mm-hmm. interest in this mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting he has. No. But you'll be pleased to know his latest movies. And, of course, uh, Clive goes to court at the drop of a hat. He sues everybody. He even mm. sued the Western Australian government for closing its borders mm. last year. He lost that case, mm. believe it or not. Poor old Clive. <laughs> but... He's now he's now taken a case to court saying ASIC uh, ASIC charges had breached his rights under the human rights legislation. So he's so even charging him <laughs> oh with a crime is, abuse, is is abusing his rights under his human rights. He's, so there you Gee, are. Gee, I don't think that's what the the Charter of Human Rights is really about. But um, okay. Mm. Yeah, well, Clive says it, under his, he's got human rights not to be charged, apparently. Yeah. So there okay. you are. Okay. Interesting. Another one, speaking of maybe being charged, you might recall um, 
Well, no, you will recall last year we talked about the, the block of land for the Sydney airport that went was bought for thirty million off the amazing off the mob, you know, the brothers, Perry's brothers. Still find that incredible. Uh, worth and worth you know, a very small percentage of that and leased back to them at a valuation under one million. Mm. Uh, they've been in trouble recently, of course, because another food company of theirs is hitting a brick wall and they they probably need the thirty mil anyway, mm. the poor dears, the Perry's mm. brothers. But um, Australian Federal Police have conducted a dawn raid on the Canberra home of a senior public servant as part of an investigation into possible corruption. Ooh. So the story, we don't know any the more than that at thickens. this stage, but the story may well develop. Okay. Yeah. Right. See. So, do you have anything to say, by the way? Did you have something you wanted to raise this morning? No, I looked, I looked for some news. Here. I couldn't see any. It oh, seemed like nothing had happened. Around. Plenty around. <laughs> plenty around. <laughs> Now the other, just a couple of other things worth talking about as well. Um, the the Small Business Council, the Council of Small Business Organisations Australia, this bloke Peter Strong, you might know, he he's their regular spokesperson. They've come out and said that the emergency flexibility things that were triggered that were in the award last year, workplace flexibilities temporarily brought in for COVID should be used permanently now and should be made permanent so they can be triggered in future emergencies. So there you are. And mm. I think future emergencies for them include things like workers asking for a pay rise, presumably. <laughs> um, yeah. That, okay. that, well, they'd see that as an absolute emergency, of course. So, But Peter said the... Um, Peter said the COVID-19, there was little sense of how to cope with the economic consequences of the pandemic and the eventual statewide restrictions enacted were seen as unfathomable. Because we thought we could manage a pandemic without reverting to these measures, no plan to manage the substantial economic impact was created. But now he's saying what, 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 what the temporary flexibility changes have shown is that workers have been ripping off employers all the time and they should be made permanent. So hmm. there you are. Um, uh, interesting. Yeah. 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 And and this is an it was this is even more interesting in terms of actually going to jail. A Melbourne labour hire organizer who was supplied illegal foreign labour for some Kiwi Rup farms was jailed for fourteen months last really? week. Yes. Hmm. He pleaded guilty on, on multiple charges of his role in the scheme, which came to an abrupt end in twenty sixteen when multiple farms and residences in the town were raided by the Australian Federal Police. Hmm. Foreign workers fled the scene when police arrived and tried to escape through fields before being caught. Fifth and it's yeah, you know, the obvious thing he's brought in workers, he's exploited them madly, they've been hired out for bugger all pay, I assume. Um and they also seized five hundred thousand dollars in in cash from this mob. So, mm. but it's un, it's un, it's very rare for those sort of people to actually get jail time. So. Yeah, that does seem unusual. Yeah, and a and a more disturbing one. A report again on industrial relations issues, but twenty one out of twenty three young workers would accept unsafe working conditions to secure employment, and would work without training, according to government figures that have just come out. State government figures. WorkSafe's confronting unsafe is always unacceptable campaign will again be splashed across digital and social platforms in a bid to shine a light on workplace safety. It will feature young workers being confronted with questions about their willingness to ignore health and safety for the sake of securing work. Almost 800 injury claims for workers aged between 15 and 24 have been lodged with WorkSafe this year, with 2,390 claims accepted in 2020. The construction industry was the most hazardous with 19% of claims while manufacturing and retail recorded 17 and 8.6% respectively. 
And um, the work, Workplace Safety Minister Ingrid Stitt said employers had no excuse for failing to protect workers. We're making this obligation for, to protect the health and safety of vulnerable workers crystal clear, she mm. said. But uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I find it quite uh, annoying when, when they do like media campaigns as if the reason that young people um you know sub- like allow themselves to be exploited is because of their own you know lack of of knowledge or understanding it's because the system is designed that way yeah. um so you know and then they're like oh well if you just knew i mean they know but if like capitalism's working the way that it works then there aren't enough jobs and there's not enough you know dignity at work and and that's sort of the way that it happens. So. Yep, and the, the WorkSafe system has been slashed over the years. Yeah. Um, it, originally it was supposed to give you full pay and then it was cut back to 60% after a certain time and mm. they keep cutting it back. So, you know, I think if workers are injured at work and unable to go to work, yeah. then the boss should be responsible for them permanently yeah, until they can. If they mm. can't, well, that's it, you're stuck with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bit dangerous to put the onus back on the worker to be yeah. like, oh, you should have known, like, well... Not really. That's right. The yeah. employer should make it a safe work, safe, safe workplace, work, yeah. whatever happens. Yeah. yeah. Now we mentioned some weeks ago, but this uh, that Elon Musk's um, SpaceX um, things were going well. They were going up. They said how well they were going. They were going up in the air. They just weren't landing too well. Yeah. Each one, they yeah. kept crashing and burning. <laughs> well, a week after we said that one, another one, the next one crashed and burned, and they still said we've just got to. Yeah, all we've got to do really is get well. the landing right. Well, they certainly <laughs> do. <laughs> Well, not if they're going to Mars, though. They can just keep on going and never come back, right? Well, that's right. <laughs> but you'll be pleased to know he, he's won a contract from um, from NASA in America over um, over some other company, Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin and Lidos Holdings Ugh. Inc., to develop a system for landing astronauts on the moon. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> they can't even land it on the Earth. Well, I, I, I reckon if I was an astronaut, I'd, I'd be think twice about speaking of workplace oh safety, <laughs> getting in that. What is, and I mean, isn't it funny that they're privatising space, like, the you know, all the, you know, aeronautical kind of research and, and stuff like that? Isn't that funny? Like it is. I've, yeah, I it's, find it's that quite strange. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all right for physic for you know physicians to uh, not physicians for whatever they're called. To, yeah. <laughs> that was the wrong word, wasn't it? Um, but anyway, so. they uh, they they for them to, to look at it in terms of just science and what's out there. But yes. yeah, yeah, go out there and yeah, they're talking about exploiting minerals and all sorts of things. Yeah, and, yeah, that's right. And I feel like they're talking also about this like leaving Earth because they've made a massive mess of Earth. Yeah. And it's the multi-billionaires that have made the problem. And then these guys are the ones like Bezos and Elon Musk who now have the money to invest in space. And then they're going to go ruin Mars. Well, they've stuffed up one planet. Let's go and stuff up another one. I find yeah. that – I don't yeah. know if I'm being a little bit dramatic, but I've – no, you're concerned. Not, you're not. I've watched, I, I, have I watched too much sci-fi? I agree. Maybe. On the week that was, I've been making that point for a while. You know, okay. we're, we're, we're going out there because yeah. we've stuffed this one up. Let's go. Let's go and stuff someone else's up, or no one Boy. else's. But, you know, whatever the, the whatever lives there. It's definitely a sci-fi yeah. film with Matt Damon in it, though. <laughs> it definitely is. That's right. And something always goes wrong. Well, of course, what can go wrong is the landing in this case. So. Well, yeah. But then that would that would the film would end pretty early because it'll like, be wiped out. Well, it takes like it takes like the class divide to the next level, doesn't it? Interplanetary class divide. It certainly does. Mm. But uh, are we going to go to our first guest pretty shortly? We will. Okay. So oh. we're going to we're going to take a break um, and listen to a song called "A Long Way Away from My Country" by Kobe D. Mm. 
Yeah, right. City, city lights burn my eyes. I can't lie. Reminisce back home where the starlight shine. Think of a place like mine where I ease my mind. Right back on country, everything went fine. But in these concrete jungles where I lay my head, I feel blessed for where I am because I could be dead. I stay shooting for the stars, but use a different kind of lead. With a different kind of bread, with some different kind of bread. I'm a young black king for my young black kin. Proud of this melanin up under my brown skin. And if we never win, as long as he went in, they say we live. In sin, that's the words that they sing. I'm just waiting for the day that I'll be back home and my daughter's all grown. Also, she can be shown where her ancestors roam and the Gomorrah own and the me high flow. That's where I call home. I'm a long way from my country. It's a long time since I've reappeared. Where the red dirt fly across the clear blue sky. Run away cause you might get speared. I'm a long way away from my country. It's a long time since I've reappeared. Where the red dirt fly across the clear blue sky Run away cause you might get speed I'm a long way away I'm a long way away Said I'm a long way away Yeah I'm a long way away I'm a long way away, but I still feel you in my spirit You hear it in these lyrics, I ain't one for the gimmicks I hold it down for my people, I'm hoping all of you feel it I do this all for our healing, I never try to conceal it I feel the wind across my arms, the heat on my face I'm free like a dinner one, they still trying to get a taste I'ma stay forever calm, just don't get up in this space If you do, then I'ma put you in your place I'm a young black man, I'm Bidjigul Lamb But these Gomorrah hands turn a brick, what a sand I'ma do this for the fam, I don't think they understand Everything will go with Plan before we go back to the land. I'm a long way from my country. It's a long time since I've reappeared. Where the red dirt fly across the clear blue sky. Run away, cause you might get speared. I'm a long way away from my country. It's a long time since I've reappeared. Where the red dirt fly across the clear blue sky. Run away, cause you might get speared. I'm a long way away. I'm a long way away. Said I'm a long way away. Yeah, I'm a long way away. That's um that was a long way away from my country by Kobe D, and you're listening to City Limits on 3CR. And we're joined by our first guest, and it's Fiona York from Housing for the Age Action Group. Thanks for joining us, Fiona. No worries. So, um, Housing for the Age, have you guys been busy? How are things? Yes, things are good. (laughs) I was just listening to your show as I was coming in, actually, and I heard you talking about that beat up in the Herald Sun um, with the toddler. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm also involved in the East Gippsland Forest Campaign, and I just thought I'd like to kind of point out while I've got the chance Please that um, yeah. that beat up coincided with two articles in the ABC and in the Fairfax or in the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday as well, mm. which showed that Vic Forest had been found to be illegally logging. Mm. And then all of a sudden, mysteriously, the CEO of Vic Forest puts out this stuff in the Murdoch press. So I thought that was a very strange coincidence that was worth pointing out to your listeners. Very interesting. Yeah, before mm. we get on to the housing issue. I hope you're not suggesting, though, it's more than just a coincidence. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Strange coincidence, isn't it? Funny Quite an odd coincidence. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, housing. We're doing a lot. Um, Look, sorry, can I go moment. back on that, because I was thinking reading yeah. that yesterday. Obviously, what there's, there's still clearly um, 
they're still clearly chainsawing native forests out there while yeah. they keep telling us everything's everything's going okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So this area that um, that the protests have been about is literally the last little patch that wasn't burnt in the fires last year. So the entirety of the forest estate all got burnt, 1.25 million hectares, and um, Vic Forest is going against the government scientists' recommendations, who are saying, please don't log this little tiny patch of green because it's all that's left literally and they're like yeah no we don't listen to science so they're in there right now with bulldozers knocking it over Mm. and um it's business as usual in a climate emergency so yeah yeah all right how's it with the aged Mm. (laughs) yeah back to the topic at hand um yeah so we're doing heaps there's the 10-year affordable housing strategy at the moment and um so we've been speaking to lots and lots of older people um, about what they want to see the government do over the next 10 years. So not just people who are, you know, living in public housing and community housing, but also people who are falling through the gaps of the system. So particularly the missing middle is what we're calling them. Um, people, often women, who have got a little bit too much money in the bank to make them eligible for public housing, but there's no option for them. And we find it really hard here at HAG to find housing options for that group because mm. there just basically isn't anything. So if you've got like 50 or 80 grand in savings mm. or in superannuation and a lot of older women do have about that much money um, and they've probably been working in low-paid jobs, you know, gender and age discrimination as they get older means that they can't get back into the workforce and they find themselves really, really stuck. Mm. And so we're trying to get the government to recognise that as a group of people that need attention in their strategy. Um, But, of course, we're still focusing on the public housing um, shortfall as well and the big housing build, which I'm sure your other guests will talk about too, which is definitely moving away from government-owned, government-run public housing to housing owned by either owned by the government or owned by the community housing sector. So, yeah, that's a massive issue and they're not trying to hide that either. They're sort of saying this is what we're... This is our plan, this is what we're doing. We're transferring stock over into the hands of the community housing sector, which isn't as regulated. Um, The rents are set higher and the tenancy selection isn't um, as clear-cut. So there's a bunch of reform that we're sort of advocating along with Community Housing Industry Association as well, to make sure that, you know, people that are living in community housing have the same rights and the same access to modifications and repairs and all that stuff as people do in public housing. Mm. What about the, um, the the public housing renewal projects and um, the, the people that have been moved and... Um, yeah. How is that affecting? Are you seeing that in terms of how older people are being affected by that? Yeah, because a lot of people... So what we're noticing is that because the transfers are taking up... So the, the priority at the moment is people living in public housing being moved out of those 12 or so mm. housing estates into other public housing or private rental. Mm. Um, and so that means that all of the sort of available public housing is taken up with that. So at the moment, we're finding through our housing service that we're not getting many offers in public housing anymore. Mm. It's mainly community housing because the transfers are taking up all the spaces. Mm. Um, So that's the biggest impact that we're seeing for people. 
at the moment. Um, and, yeah, hopefully that will, as, as more money gets sort of put into repairing and upgrading some of the older stock, hopefully some of that will um, clear out a little bit. But it remains to be seen. I think it's probably going to be a couple of years off before we mm. see that list kind of, you know, clearing out a bit. And, and we've so, seen yeah. we've seen recently, Fiona, that uh, in community and social housing, you're much more prone to be evicted if they just don't like you. <laughs> yes, um, that seems to be the case as well. And I think the eviction ban is kind of being not that it was really a ban. I mean, it's a bit of a misnomer to say that there's been an eviction ban, but now that that's lifted, um, mm. we're a bit. We're starting to see people coming through that are older people in private rental who are seeing notices to vacate or being told that one's coming. Um, and so we're just worried that there's going to be a whole bunch of people that have, wanting, have been wanting to kick out their tenants for a while and they're going to be coming to us in a bit of a wave. And that seems to be coinciding with the, you know, the lack of movement on the public housing waitlist as well. So, yeah... You would think that after COVID that this wouldn't be happening, but it, um, it mm. seems like all of those measures that got put in place are now, the you know, they, they weren't long-term. Mm. Um, they were only short-term, and so now the effects of that are going to be hit. Speaking of, of COVID, um, during the pandemic, um, people who were homeless were housed in, in hotels, and yeah. um, our understanding is that that has now ended. Are you seeing yeah. the effects of that as well? We're not as involved in that. There's a, mm. a home, house to home program or something. I can't remember what it's called. Mm. Um, the, a lot of the crisis homelessness services have been given money to get people out of the hotels and into mainly private rentals. Mm. But the problem that we see always with these private rental assistance type programs is that older people on a low income are not going to be able to pay the rent regardless. So if you can you have to be able to show that you can sustain the tenancy and you can't when you're paying 80, 90 percent of your of your age pension mm. or job seeker on rent. It's impossible. And there's no other prospects out there. So moving people into a 12-month private rental lease, even if it is supported by government subsidies mm. for a short term, in the long term, it's no place for an older person to get to age. Mm. Um, and so where we'd really prefer that the money was redirected into public housing instead of propping up private landlords mm. in these short-term kind of measures. Yeah. And in fact, the, the Council for Homeless Persons or Two Homeless Persons last week came out with a report that showed that with the current job seeker rate in places like um, uh, Fitzroy, Clifton Hill, Flemington, Kensington, Paran, uh, Windsor, North Melbourne, West Melbourne, Port Melbourne, housing costs would eat up more than 100% of their dole yeah. payments. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. and that's... You know, and it, it go the scale would be very high. Even in even in the most affordable places, it still takes up forty two percent of their income. Um, mm. Yeah, and the income yeah, is pretty and, low, and, as we know. And housing stress is thirty percent or under. Like so, that that's you know quite a big chunk of your money going on rent is means that you're in housing stress. Mm. But even in rural areas, we're hearing that too. So there's this kind of perception that people will get a cheaper rent in the country. But we're hearing that, I guess, also because of COVID, people want to get out of the city, that there's the rents are going up and the actual availability of, of rental stock is not there either. 
So there might be one or two listings, and that's it in some towns. And, um, yeah, I think mm. that's another impact that hasn't really been measured that well, but we're certainly hearing about it anecdotally. Mm. Yeah, well, in fact, the, the, the most affordable ones in that study last week were Warrnambool, Warrigal, and Wangaratta at one sixty a week, and that's the forty-two percent. So, yeah, um, that you know, even out wherever you go, obviously, you're going to find it totally unaffordable. Yeah, and also rely on maintaining a vehicle and mm. you know less health services and and uh, social mm. isolation as well. Mm. So, we did a consultation with the LGBTI older people. Um, a couple of months ago about housing and one of the things that was coming through that consultation was that people had moved to rural areas mm. for the cheaper rents but found themselves, and not just rural areas but the outer kind of ring of Melbourne, and found themselves really socially isolated without a community mm. um, and just felt, yeah, just not able to kind of be a part of a community in a lot of rural areas. Yeah. So there's that to think about as well. Yeah, well, we've said that many times, haven't we, that particularly for older people, of course, where they're established in a community, to move them out of that, yeah. um, such as even with the, um, the current, current campaign by, the, by our own state government, uh, is quite cruel and it does isolate them. Yeah, yeah, and it has health effects too. So it means that people end up presenting to hospital more, they end up prematurely in residential aged care, which we know is not ideal, mm. um, so yeah, it's got a whole bunch of kind of roll-on effects. Mm. Yeah, on that, by the way, um, I know it's not directly part of Hag's Hag's um, area, but but uh, the the report on aged care recently. Uh, comment on that. The Royal Commission. The Royal Commission. Yeah. Um, look, I think I think what our concern, like they've talked about reforming the Aged Care Act. Um, and at the moment, in the Aged Care Act, people who are at risk of homelessness is identified as an, a special needs area, as a, as a diversity kind of area, along with culturally diverse and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders and LGBTI. So at the moment, it's kind of elevated a little bit and in law. So, so aged care providers have to provide by law something to assist people who are at risk of homelessness. And we're concerned that despite us giving evidence at the Royal Commission, that has not really been coming through at all in the findings. There's a big focus on residential care and all the shortfalls, which is important. But we also need to recognise that most people in aged care are living in their own homes and the system's designed for that. There's only a very small percentage who are in nursing homes and you can't have home care and aged care in, in your home if you're homeless or at risk mm. of homelessness. So that's our focus at the moment, is to make sure that the government still understands that homelessness is a diversity area that should be recognised in law and also that it doesn't get kind of subsumed in all of the other kind of terrible stories that were coming out um, during the evidence of the Royal Commission. And I don't think it was particularly helpful either that um, the commissioners didn't agree on the solution. I think that was... <laughs> mm. That kind of came through as a bit of a... Um, an opportunity for the government to ignore the recommendations, I think. Were there, and, were there conflicting recommendations in terms yeah. of... Well, funding particularly, how to fund it primarily, they mm. disagreed on, which was... How it, to fund the, it and how to regulate it, yeah. yeah. Right. And gave the government an out. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm, it's and interesting. That's a problem. Every time there's... Um, 
expose or, or an, a scandal in an, in an aged care facility, there's always um, that push to further regulate. But if regulation yeah. worked, things would be improving rather than getting worse and because yeah. there's it's a heavily regulated area. Um, and, and what we see in other areas is that that if the regulator refuses to act, yeah. thick forests, for example, yeah. um, but also many other things, there's what's the point of regulation? Like you, can, yeah. you need to have someone that's actually got the stick as well as the carrot or else rogue mm. operators will continue to be rogue operators. Yeah, as long as profit is the the motivating force. Motive. Yeah. 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 We're yeah. coming to the end of our time with Fiona, but I yeah. know that Kevin will have well, about five more to, questions. No, no, <laughs> I was going to raise with you, Fiona, a, 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 an ideal opportunity for those who have you know, your clients who who um, who have difficulty being placed, because here's a perfect opportunity for them. Shane Moran, one of the big aged care and and hospital and health people in Australia, entrepreneurs. He's he's a, he's putting up in Sydney. You have to go to Sydney for this, but he's um, taken over a big mansion and he's putting up seven oh. residences, complete with French parquetry floors, tiles from Spain, Victorian marble fireplaces, and the latest technology. And you're, if you can get them in there for a mere four million dollars. Um, wow! Yeah, four million. <laughs> Very and, generous of him. <laughs> well, four million plus two thousand a month service fee, but that's understandable. Um, and it's a ninety. Well, I find it fascinating. It's aged care facility, and it's four, four million for a ninety-nine-year lease, which is pre- pretty optimistic. I would have thought. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like he's getting around something with that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. No, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's there's an opportunity to send you ten people to and have a look at it. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to check it out. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to say goodbye there, Fiona. Thanks so much for joining us today. And Thank you. Um, we'll take a little break and we'll be back after this. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years, we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains. And the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunnakurnai and Bidwell and the Nara people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter. So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you. 
Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. change we need to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple. Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. listening to City Limits on 3CR and um, you can also podcast this show at uh, any podcast on any podcast thing that you use whatever it is I don't judge I don't I don't mind I'm not going to name any of them but you can also listen to it on our website 3cr.org.au slash city limits and today is our housing day and we're joined by Howard and Jack from Friends of Public Housing thanks to you both for being here Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. So, as usual, there's always lots to talk about, and Kevin's got a stack of newspapers in front of him. They're all related to housing, and he's going to be shuffling through them and asking you questions. But I want to start with um, just a bit of an update about what you guys have been up to in the last month. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll just briefly give a, a short summary, and then we can throw over to Jack. Sounds good. Um, so, there's an update on the North Melbourne uh, public housing estate, which is being used. For to build a new um, primary school in North Melbourne. Mm. Um, Defend and extend public housing Australia rallies are going to restart in May. Um, the Towers lockdown, there's been a bit of uh, movement there in relation to the class action and also public meeting about that. Um, Burundara Council and locals are opposing the redevelopment of the Bill Street Hawthorne public housing estate. Um, Yarra Council has rejected social and affordable housing which has been pressed on them by the state government near the Collingwood Town Hall. Mm. Uh, They want a community hub. Steve Jolly wants social and affordable housing. Boo, boo. Um, Greens Bill calls for commitment to permanent housing and public housing. Uh, There's the release of the Parliamentary Homelessness Inquiry Report chaired by Fiona Patton and the... uh, and uh, that really has a call for social and affordable housing, not public housing. The ALP's Josh Burns has called for legislated housing guarantee. So now we'll head over to Jack. Well, just before you go to Jack, a couple of things there. The, the Hawthorne one you talked about, that is that a new one that's come up? Yeah, well, that's been, that's been going on for a couple of years. That, that was uh, roughly at the same time as the um, public housing renewal program. So the, I'm pretty sure the residents have been moved out. I don't know if, it, if it's been demolished yet, mm. but the proposal was there like about three years ago. Uh, and it's a Liberal, uh, liberal Party uh, area, so you've got a, pretty much a, a Liberal Party local council and the um, local rep is a Liberal as well, as far as I know. Um, and most of the residents, I would imagine, would be Liberal Party supporters. Um, so three years ago... 
they were fully behind public housing um, and uh, I'm not sure, I didn't go to the public meeting so I'm not sure what their position is on public housing but uh, the, uh, the, the the redevelopment's quite large so they're opposing it mm. particularly on the grounds of overdevelopment. Yeah, probably the public housing bit of the overdevelopment or something. Um, and, and before that, you mentioned a meeting about um, one. Could you just give detail of that? Have you had the details? Meeting, uh, well, there was a meeting, that meeting I was just talking about in relation to Bill Street. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, as I said, I didn't go to it, and all I know is basically that the um, locals and the politicians were opposed to the redevelopment and they're saying there's not enough detail about it. So they've been told that there'll be 200 units on the on the redeveloped site, seven storeys high. Um, and uh, they were told apparently that there would be no privatisation. Um, but I haven't seen anything to that effect in the documents. And I think what they mean by no privatisation, uh, well, I don't actually know what they mean because either social or affordable housing means mm. one form of privatisation. Or another, yeah, and it it means no public housing. So anything that's not public housing is effectively privatisation. Anyway, I'll, I'll be following that up, and I might be able to report again on that next month. Uh, and the Yarra Council one, they I heard Steve Jolly interviewed on this station over the weekend. Um, wh- why have the Greens opposed it? They they do they want housing there at all, or what? Um, well, the Greens the, the, the Greens actually want the land for a community hub. Right, so this comes back to the problem with local councils being pushed to provide housing when it's really a state government responsibility, and and there's more than enough land and money with the state government to be able to do that, and uh, because the state government's not attending to it, they're pushing uh, local councils to provide their land um, to be built on, and they're not proposing public housing. Mm-hmm. It's a big build, so they, they were proposing social and affordable housing. So again, Steve Jolly, I don't have anything positive to say about about him from a public housing point of view. He's, he was part of our campaign um, to against the public housing renewal program to the extent that he turned up to a meeting here and there. And the last meeting he turned up to, he talked about how wonderful they were. You know, on local council and getting 20 percent affordable uh, affordable housing on the gasworks site, and that was at a mm. meeting for public housing. Yeah, right? the... that, that's not public housing advocacy, Steve Jolly, and he's not advoca- advocating for public housing in the current uh, matter. He's, uh, he's uh, proposing that they buckle in, they, bu- they uh, um, buckle to the state government's demand for social and affordable housing. He hasn't he, spoken he, up his argument was that social housing is at least better than no housing at all. I think that was his argument, essentially. Mm. But well, that, I didn't see him advocating yeah. for public housing. Yeah. I didn't see him saying, well, um, it's, it's, it might be better, but it's not as good as. Mm. Yeah. Interesting, that gasworks site, by the way, because during the freeway struggle in the 70s, that was promised as public open space in return for losing <sighs> Alexandra Perret, but that's uh, a long time it's ago. It's like the goalposts keep <laughs> shifting. Yeah. Mm. Okay, and anyway, yeah. sorry, we Jack got cut off then, so we were, yeah. Mm. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I meant um, cut off in terms of where we were going, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Look, um, actually, the, the Yarra Council one, I mean, they, they were proposing uh, 200 units uh, to be developed on the site. Uh, 
100 of those are just private for-profit units for whoever the developer partner is, and 60 social, in other words, community housing, which means privatised businesses running subsidised housing of some form, and then 40 so-called um, affordable housing dwellings. Uh, now, most, you know, I think what we do is we owe the public to keep explaining exactly what these terms mean, um, affordable housing. So I've actually just been looking at some of the press around this and the, the comments, the readers' comments that you see, and obviously the readers don't understand it, especially when they do things like attack the fact that the proposal was rejected. Uh, surely we don't want to have, give away land to, to, for developers to build 100 private um, apartments for the sale. You're talking about this stuff, they're going to be selling for you know, over half a million dollars a dwelling. Um, and then 60 uh, units going to these community housing companies. And uh, and and then forty. What what does, what does affordable housing mean? I know that the, there's a textbook def, definition that it says it's eighty percent of market rate rental is is what what they call it. So who's going to actually rent it out at eighty percent of market rate? Guess what? A community housing business yet again. Or do they really mean they're going to try and sell them? at below market rate. Well, that, that's a strange one because we haven't really worked out how you can actually sell them. But that's, that's the level of comment that I notice in the, in, the, in the reader's responses to the comments in the, you know, the press articles. They actually think that they're actually going to be selling these at some sort of reduced market rate to some very lucky recipients. So the whole thing just doesn't make sense. And people need to understand that you know, the whole thing's a shambles. I mean, Wynn, Richard Wynn in his... Um, Who's the housing housing minister, just to let people know? Yeah. I'm sure people are Okay, Richard. And yeah, Yarra happens to be also his local seat. Mm. Um, um, he actually said regarding the, the, the um, budget that they will work with social housing providers and the private sector and local government to provide the housing. So you already got your clue there. So this is their one of their attempts at working with local government, forcing themselves onto a government with a with a deal that is just doesn't stack up. Work with a private sector, and then I, and he he perpetuates the um, shambles going on in terms of the deception of the language. Work with social housing providers. I've never heard of. People who call themselves social housing providers. They're called community housing providers, Richard Wynn. So why don't you just go out there and say what you're talking about? In other words, you're working with private businesses left, right and centre, and all they're expecting from local government is donation of public land. Mm. And I actually read in the, in the same article, I actually saw, um, you know, this, so this is Richard Wynn, in the same article there's a there's actually an explanation of social housing. They say, oh, it's public housing and community housing. Um, now, that might be what, what it was meant to be by a dictionary definition or when they tried to legislate the, 
name social housing. By the way, this thing goes all the way back to Thatcherism where they originally um, invented the name social housing. But the article you know, really misleads the public and I think that journalists, I always, and they know, they know it since they wrote the thing, social housing it was public and community housing, they know that in practice it only ever refers to community housing and community housing is private businesses. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, cut me off if I keep talking too long here, but I'm just starting to see that now also coming out. The government's released a 10-year strategy um, paper. They're calling for submissions to a 10-year strategy uh, regarding uh, housing. Now, in that strategy, shamelessly, they actually say, we are not intending to build any new public housing. Just maintain what we've got. And we're looking at doing partnerships with developers and community housing organisations. So they're, they're totally, um, you know, s selling their souls to the devil quite openly and deliberately. And then they're saying in there that, you know, they, you know they're looking at doing things like um, providing grants and public land to make all this happen. Uh, and, you know, it's creating a feeding frenzy by, in, in terms of investors who are now saying... Oh, great. Community housing is a new investment asset class. And it's, I've seen the parallels here to what we see with aged care, where you, know, you may not be technically uh, for profit. You might call yourself not-for-profit. But, gee, you pay your owners and your, um, your um, employees a heck of a lot of money. So it's uh, neoliberalism at its worst. And five billion dollars in the in the recent uh, state government being shoveled into private hands. Uh, it's, it's an absolute outrage. I'll stop there just for the moment, just in case you want to ask any questions. Well, okay, Jack, I was going to say, you, you said... Um you, you 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 can't quite explain what what affordable housing is well quite simply it is if you go up to a person a homeless person sleeping on elizabeth street near victoria market you can say to them great news for you they're going to build affordable housing yes. <laughs> so that that sums it up yeah and you know that's funny you know these homeless people they, they, you know with the the hotel program during COVID when they said they put they provided hotel accommodation about 2,200 homeless people um, apparently at you know around about now they're they're out and about um, uh, uh, leasing about 1,100 properties to put these homeless people in now that the um, hotel programs uh, meant to end. That's meant to end this month. So now I call that an example of public housing because it's the government now that's leasing those properties. Well, why don't they just go and buy some properties? Now they promised in the last election, they went to the election promising to build uh, 1,000, and they used the word public housing properties. Build. And the other question becomes where are they planning on building these? Well, here was a great chance to build them in the city of Yarra. Um, the councillors wouldn't have opposed it if it was public housing. Mm. And we had a great plot of land in a city close to all the um, hospitals where a lot of lowly paid porters 
uh, and you know allied health um, uh, workers um, go to work. They have to travel two hours to work because they don't get paid enough to live close to the city. It was a great chance to go and provide some um, public housing accommodation for the first time in many years. Yeah, and in fact, of course, we're seeing the reverse where uh, the renewal program is in fact taking more public housing away and making it private. Yeah, they are. And actually, they haven't actually um, built anything in the renewal program other than pu pushing people out of the, um, uh, the number of the estates that are already you know, up for renewal. They've demolished them and haven't turned a sod of dirt to build anything new there yet. Four years now, I think, it's been around and nothing's been built yet. And we're neg negative um, on the public housing accommodation in those areas. They're also, of course, interchanging now. I mean, they're, they're actually talking about uh, the, the public housing waiting list. They're now often referring to as the social housing waiting list. So they've also mm. sneaked into there and taken that one over. Yeah. So we really do need to demand that the word social housing is not used. It is confusing mm. and it's deliberately in use and deliberately used to confuse. Yeah, it gives the impression that um, community housing and public housing are the same and they're quite clearly not, yeah. Um, we're going to uh, finish up in the next few minutes. Um, I can see Kevin's holding a piece of no, paper. I, I, well, I was just going <laughs> to iterate the, um, the point we raised with Fiona earlier in the program that the report last week from the Council to Homeless Persons said that you know, in large parts of Melbourne, rents were more than 100% of the current, the new job seeker payment. And even in the cheapest places in the state, uh, it's still up to 42% of, um, of, of your income. So effectively now with the JobKeeper rate, we're going to have more and more homelessness and more and more people in distress. To either of you. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, the answer is public housing. It's not community housing or housing association yeah. properties. Mm. <laughs> um, but the Council for Homeless Persons right. doesn't call for that. They, mm. they support yeah. the government on, on the housing associations and not public housing. And, um, yeah. So if I can just mention the uh, the protests, the Defended Extend mm. protests. Mm -hmm. um, so starting up again uh, Tuesday the 4th of May, um, you can go to the public housing. Uh, can we put that? The uh, dates on the um, yep. on the city limits. Uh, yeah, podcast. we'll pop it on yep. the podcast notes and we'll put it on the website three cr.org.au slash city limits. Yep. Or yeah, or if you're on Facebook, you can go to um, Defend and Extend Public Housing Australia, um, and it's got the dates there. The first one's Tuesday, the fourth of May, seven thirty p.m. at Parliament, and then every week after that, but not the same, day, not the same day of the week, and not the same time either. Mm. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Jack. We'll we'll put those details up online and um and on the we encourage listeners to get involved and check out the Facebook page and show their solidarity with people who need affordable deserve affordable housing, which is all of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Look. Thanks so much. Yeah, sorry. I, I gave a bit of a summary of what I was going to talk about, which I didn't get around to. But uh, if you want to read what I was going to say. Um, I'll put it up on the Defend and Extend Public Housing Australia Facebook page. That you sounds great. That. Okay. Right, thanks, Howard. Thanks, thanks to both of you, and we'll talk again next month. Yeah, um, great.
Okay, and just uh, okay. next week on City Limits, it's a fourth Wednesday, but we're going to be talking to Dave Sweeney from the Australian Conservation Foundation. That'll be great. Around lots of things. But one thing I mentioned last week, um, we're going to talk about the issue in Greenland with the... Uh, ah, the mining and the logging. Because Dave's yeah. been keeping up to date with that one as well. And, and I mentioned last week in the election there, the Environment Group actually won the election. But uh, Amazing. Yeah, that was quite yeah, a thing. So we'll talk about that next week. So up next on City Limits is Anarchist World this week, and we're going to go away with a song by Kev Carmody. Society cruise down the road each day. They got the economic wherewithal we can't afford to pay. They got them numbered bank accounts. The system assures they win. They exploit the population. We're on the outside looking in. Them pillars of society drive us like a tool. For them, that's cool. They drive Mercedes, Benz, and Porsches. Rolls Royce Gillette slides. You can tell the affluent effluent from the status symbols they drive. When you're on the dole queue, they'll tell you to your face. You're a blood, you're on their system, and a blight in the human race. Them pillars of society drive us like a tool, for them that's cool. Well, they grace the social pages. They always make the news At the church on Sunday They crowd in the front pews There's a hierarchy of dominance With a power at the top And if you think you found the magic key you find they change the locks And pillars of society Drive us like a tool For them that's cool down the freeway on their dotted line I'd like to make decisions but they won't allow the time it says religion is the opium I say the media's the cocaine 24 hours of propaganda drugging my poor brain them pillars of society drive us like a tool for them that's cool they confer Titles of status and dominance on their progeny and their class. Sir, your honor, your grace, your highness were made to polish and lick their brass. But you, my friend, can be like them if you have their million dollar fee. But you find a system designed to keep us in line and walk in on our knees. Them pillars of society drive us like a tool for them, that's cool. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.